Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom Podcast. Um, We're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing his ways as a community. Uh, We like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, So this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. missed you. I was out for a few weeks. Uh, As we continue uh, today, I wanted to just take a pause to give us a chance to do our offering for those that call Axiom Home, or just for those that just are really generous and love to give. Uh, There's a few ways you can do that, and so um, I want to name those. Our website, you can text to give. There's kiosks in the back, and at any point in our service, uh, later in worship or now, you're welcome to uh, do that. And and so thank you for caring for the needs of this community and for pouring into uh, the work that we're doing here in this part of our city as well. And of course, it doesn't go without saying that, that also takes place in our acts of service, that as we regularly enter into acts of service for one another, we are, we are mimicking the way of Jesus. We are practicing what Jesus himself was doing. And so thank you for uh, being faithful in those ways here at Axiom. Uh, also, I uh, just want to say that uh, whether you're new or you've been coming here for 10 years, uh, there's, um, there's, there's an opportunity to go deeper always. And sometimes that looks like just grabbing coffee with somebody or getting connected with a leader. Sometimes it looks like jumping in an area of ministry um, or who, who knows what. There's all sorts of opportunities. But my, my desire for you would be that as you think about what that might look like, it's my conviction that Jesus would invite us into the, the fullness of life together and with him. And so these are some of the spaces we get experience Jesus in is by being deeper connected in each other's homes. It's not just what happens here on Sunday. In fact, this is kind of the appetizer. It's like the screen door. Uh, but as we get into life with God and with others, we begin to experience the tangible kingdom. And that's, that's what we're aiming at. So I want to encourage you to get connected. There's connect cards around the room. And then also, I just want to say good job to our volunteers that served at this week's art camp for the kids. Well done. Um, It was a huge, huge success to see this room completely packed with moms and dads from the neighborhood and from this church and from other spaces, sharing together in celebration of our little ones and the work that they've been doing. And so hats off to Beth Ann and to Kara and to that whole team of people that uh, gave it their all and loved on these children way Way to go. And then on that note, I just want to point to, because it's a new thing that we've had this summer, is we have a Sprouts group that meets on Thursday mornings, on, um, excuse me, the second to last Thursday of every month. So this Thursday, they're going to be getting together here at 10 a.m. That's basically the ages of five and below for a, some, a play date and some hang time together with the parents as well. So if that's you or your, your demographic of kids, I invite you to join us at 10 a.m. For that, okay? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into uh, the book of Acts. Heavenly Father, thank you for the many spaces that you've created for us to experience you in more fully. I ask that as we think through our, our life, that it wouldn't just be filled with church calendar stuff, but it would be filled with you. And whatever that might look like, God, help us to be faithful to that. And of course, to your word and what your spirit has to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... Uh, 
we've been in the book of Acts. I wasn't here the last two weeks, so you're going to have to tell me what we talked about. Who's got it? Yeah, I thought so, maybe. Okay, I, it's okay. I went back and watched the sermons, uh, and I read my Bible. It's all in there. We're in chapter 7, so if you want to turn there now, uh, we're in chapter 7, verse 14 is where we're going to be hanging out at, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, but just for some recap, there's a story that's being birthed here, or not even birthed, but it's being reimagined and retold, okay? Stephen, who is one of the early followers of Jesus, has been called out by the Sanhedrin. He's been told that he's uh, guilty of uh, threatening to tear down the temple and and to, to mess with the law of Moses and all these things. And so in this context, the Sanhedrin, who are the ones who have been sort of entrusted with protecting those things and, and guarding those things, Stephen has been doing the opposite. He hasn't been guarding that. He's been sort of cultivating. He's been gardening it, if you will. And, and, and in that, he's begun to put on display and speak out this narrative and this story that, that they know the story, and yet the story somehow is new at the same time. And, and that's threatening to this group of leaders because status quo is getting poked at with the early church and what's taking place there. Things are getting messed with. But Stephen is telling us a story that the Israelites and the Hebrew people and we as the early church have been invited to root our entire life in, to, to anchor ourselves in this narrative. And the reality is, and Eric talked about this last week, is that all of us are anchoring our decisions and our thinking in some narrative or story. I just went on vacation to South Dakota. I did the great American pilgrimage to Mount Rushmore on July 4th to see the great saints of American past. And there they were enshrined in all their glory, carved out on a mountain. Anybody know whose faces were up there? Can we name them? I'm just curious about American history here. You got it? You got it? Who, who's up there? Uh, Trump and who? 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 Roosevelt. Who else? Thank you. Jefferson. Lincoln. There we go. Come again? <laughs> that was a little rougher than I anticipated that to go. Uh, I'm not mad because that's not the story, actually, that we as followers of Jesus are invited to invest our whole life in. It's a, it is part of our story. But even that story is submissive to the bigger story that we have in Jesus. And that's what... Eric was talking about last week, and what I'm talking about this week is this idea that we must root ourselves in all of our stories in the story. We have to make sense of who we are and who God is in light of the story of Jesus. And that was the task of the early church, was to make sense of the story of God, the history of its people, who they are and who, who God is in light of Jesus, because Jesus comes. Right at the center of our story, Jesus comes. And as soon as he comes, we begin to see that everything that's been taking place from the history past, which is what Stephen labors on, to this present moment is found, its meaning, its significance is found in Christ. And so we ourselves learn to understand who God is in light of this story. And so <clears throat> it's not the story itself, though, that we're rooted in. It's God. And I want to make that distinction. It's God. God is what we are rooting ourselves in. You are rooting yourself in God. And story is a way how God does that. 
It's why we're so fortunate to have the text, the scriptures. And what I, what, what, like, we're a Bible uh, teaching, preaching church because, not because we want to get you into this, but because we want to get this out into here, out into everywhere, because this is pointing to how God works in real life and what it looks like to experience God in real life. And God uses the text to bring real life to us, to create space for us to experience Him. So Stephen labors at this to show that God is with them even when man is far off. And now, of course, God is with us even though sometimes we are far off. And that's the distinction that the story of Israel needed to, the switch they needed to make. And it's the same switch that we have to make at times. The story that was told about Abraham and Joseph and now today Moses and later Solomon, it's not a story about God's absence. It's a story about men's absence in the midst of God's presence and activity. And so we look back and we have to reflect on where did I miss God, not the fact that God wasn't there. And we have to look at the present and go, how am I not seeing God even here now? Because God is here with us right now. So we're tempted, of course, in those moments where we feel like, oh my gosh, why have you abandoned me? We're like David, right? And, and oh, life is so hard right now, and life is really hard at moments. And we're tempted to think that God is somehow gone. But that's, that's just not it. It's where is it that God is even here and now? And so Stephen, you know, he's, he's in it. He's in, he's in like the worst scenario you can be in. He's, he's facing impending doom. He's been captured by the Sanhedrin, brought before the, before the leaders, and asked this question, and, and are these things true? And he knows that what hangs on this response of his might mean the loss of his physicality, might mean that his body is done for. That's where he's at. And in that space, in that story, which how... What would that story be for you? Oh my gosh, it's over. Where's God? It's done. Ah, and I would just be screaming and crying and running. No, I don't know. It would be terrible. But for him, for him, he says, actually, let me, let me, let me tell you what's true. Let me tell you what is true and what's always been true. What's not just true right now, but what's always been true. And while you think that I've said Jesus is going to tear down the temple, tear down the law. I'm going to mess with these things. No. And, and, and if, but it does go to show that that's what you're worried about. See, they're, they're worried more about the story than about the God in the story. Because the God in the story is the one that brings meaning to it. And what we're finding out in Stephen is that he's still telling the story. God is still telling the story. And so we can preserve it over here, or we can, again, garden it, cultivate it, reimagine it in light of the storyteller who's here with us. But you see how that becomes really dangerous, potentially, for religious leaders? And you can, you can see how that is threatening. And while Jesus does have, by the way, the power to tear down the temple 
and the customs that Moses had given them. He does have the power to do that. That's not actually what he's up to here. He's up to making sense of the story, bringing it into its full. And again, you have to know the story to know that, though. And everybody in this text, in in chapter 7 of Acts, the audience here knew the story. But that didn't mean that they knew God. And most of you here know the story, but it doesn't mean necessarily that you know God. And of course, we see in the story that in, in early Genesis, the creation narrative, and then chapters 3 through 11, we get this the problem of personal sin, then the problem of corporate and social sin, and then the problem of the cosmics, and you see all those big narratives get teased out, and how God is the one who comes to work in the midst of that to reclaim it for himself. That's the, the, the basic narrative that takes place there, whether it's Noah or whoever it is. God is reclaiming this thing, as small or as big as it is, by, by creating a people who are a community of love where God is the sustainer and the one full of glory in their midst. That's his game plan. I'm going to create a people, and I'm going to be in their midst. And that's what he keeps doing. And then Stephen opens it wide open, and he, get, and he takes us and you know, in 15, 16 verses from Genesis chapter 12 all the way to Genesis chapter 50, and he summarizes it beautifully. This old narrative is being transformed into a new one. That Abraham's been called out of the ancestral home and into a new land. And guys, that one story is also the story, right? Because that's how it works. That you too have been called from somewhere to something. That you too, God has invited to begin where you are, but not not to leave you where you are. And so we find ourselves in Abraham's story, but again, more importantly, we find Jesus. That Abraham, like Jesus, is set apart. And that's what Stephen's getting at. He's saying, hey, this guy Jesus that we're all frustrated about, we're all upset about, he's just like Abraham. Set apart by God to bless the nations. So he tells the story of Abraham to point to Jesus. And and just like Joseph, Jesus is just like Joseph. Joseph was rejected. He was rejected by all the others. And yet God used him to bless everyone. And Jesus is just like that too. You see, you can tell because the story is the same. It's the same storyteller. In the same way that Abraham was sent, in the same way that Joseph uh, was rejected, Jesus was those things also. And then we pick it up with Moses. And and guys, we're just going through the book of Acts. This is where we're at. Chapter 17, or sorry, chapter 7, verse 17. I'm just going to read through it through verse 34. You guys can open up or follow along here, and then we'll unpack it. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt 
had greatly increased. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. So, so guys, here's the story again. Remember, like Abraham's seed, there's going to be multiple. There's going to be many, right? There's going to be a whole bunch of them. But now, all of a sudden, there's this new leader who's taking away that blessing, who's, who's, who's acting against that blessing by eliminating the, 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 the boys in the, in the group, okay? So verse 23, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner. He settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. And when he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get, close, to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt." So again, context, Stephen is, is, is retelling the story in defense of his own story where he finds himself with God. And he's talked about Abraham, and he's talked about Joseph, and now he's talking about Moses. And, and, and we have to see at least a couple things here that God, God had promised to give the land and multiply the people through Abraham, Okay? But it's in Moses' time that Pharaoh essentially tries to kill off the descendants of Jacob by having all the male children be killed off. But we know the story of Moses is all were being killed off except one Moses who float down the Nile. And here's this one, this survivor who's picked up ironically, by the daughter of the very one who's trying to kill them. And we have to already begin to see Jesus in this. Because here's the unassuming childlike figure that's coming down, and in the own house of the oppressing party is the very one who's going to flip things over. That's, by the way, the gospel story. Jesus enters into a house where there's a certain somebody trying to rule the way things are going. And Jesus usurps that power, reclaims the throne. None other than the Pharaoh's daughter, the one with all the power, with the one who doesn't have power. And that's who God chooses to use to save his people. 
So, Moses, if we make sense in light of Jesus, Jesus is like Moses. And Moses is like Jesus too. And now we have the task of going, okay, like it feels blasphemous to say, you know, Joe is like Jesus and Jesus is like Joe. But Joe has the responsibility, just as every single one of you, to go, how is it that I am becoming who Jesus would become if he were me? How is it that I am stepping into the person that Jesus has invited me to be? Because that person is the same kind of person, as I just said, that Jesus would be if he were you. That's the task we all have to go to. You have to look at your story and the story of Jesus and go, how do these two come together? That's the only place your life will ever make sense. Is right there. Moses here, of course, realizes his ancestry and set outs to help him, but they again reject him. Okay, we've heard that story before with Jesus, by the way. His own people. Jesus like Moses, Moses like Jesus, Abraham like Jesus, Jesus like Abraham. Joseph the same. But also Moses was the one in whom God revealed his glory to in a new way. And we have to think about this, that Moses is in the unfaithful part of his story. He spent 40 years away from the promised land, away from the place that was supposed to be theirs, away from the people who God had called them to, to be blessed. And Moses is out there, a shepherd, dealing with sheep in the wilderness, far from Egypt and the people God called him to. But that's where God meets him. That's where God meets him. So hold on. Because a lot of us think that God's going to meet us when we're in the place we're supposed to be in. Or when we're doing the right thing. But God meets Moses in the distant land when he's out there 40 years in. And that's radical. And again, if you think about that in the context of Stephen here, defending himself against the people who care about the law and care about the temple, and here he's propping up the story, not the law or the temple, but the story. He's saying, listen, listen to the story, guys. Sanhedrin, listen. God reveals himself to the rejects. He reveals himself to the outcast. He reveals himself to the deserters. He reveals himself not just in the temple, not just in the law. He reveals himself in burning bushes also to people who have been running from him. That's the story I'm part of. But that's the dangerous story now, isn't it? Thank God that he reveals himself outside of the temple 
and outside of the law. Because I haven't always been living so straight and narrow. And it's interesting that the straight and narrow ones um, might be missing it the most. <sighs> Heaven and earth become one in a burning bush. In, in, in a vision, the one who has deserted his calling has just been transformed. And you and I, are, because of that freaking moment, are totally different for it. Because we're part of that story. Everything for Israel and the whole world changes on that moment in that distant place and that burning bush. Because God reveals himself in the only way that he can to this wandering shepherd. And I don't know how it is that he will reveal himself to you, but I will tell you that, that our part is learning to recognize and to see him when he's there. Because he is. If he can be all the way out there with the murderous Moses and his guilt and shame hiding from his responsibilities and the thing that God's called him to that he's known for all along, God can come and reveal him there and say, hey, you're still the one. You're still the person that I'm going to use to help tell my story. So God is like Moses. And Moses, or see, Jesus is like Moses, and Moses is like Jesus. And Moses is like Jerome and Crystal and each and every one of you, and you are like Moses. See? See what God's doing? He's making one family with one Lord. And pretty soon, it's hard to tell who's who. Because we are all God's beloved. And he takes delight in us. The story of Moses is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which Stephen is proclaiming as loud as ever. Because the gospel didn't start with Jesus. It started with everything. And Jesus brings it to its fulcrum, to its fullness, and casts the light back into history and lights the path into the future. One story, though, it's the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. Wherever God reveals himself. Because the bush is still burning. I want to invite us into a time of communion. And while I do that, I'm going to pass around a photo of my son. Because I want you guys to think about how much Jesus loves you. And this crazy, wacko photo of my son sticking his tongue out, I think, is the best example I have this morning to remind you that you are dearly loved by Jesus. And all your weirdness and all your crazy hairdos and all your peculiar thoughts and things you've been chasing. You are so loved by God that he, like Abraham, goes from a distant place and enters into the promised land. Because he loves you. He wants to be with you. And he, like Joseph, you might not think he's the right guy, but he's the guy. 
and he blesses despite the rejection. This is an amazing God we serve who deeply loves you. There's crackers and juice and wine on both sides of the room. And I just encourage you as you are ready in your interior to get up and go grab a piece of that cracker and dip it. And, and maybe find a person in the room with somebody you know or somebody you don't or maybe see a group huddling and just link, link, link up with them. Or if you want, return to your chairs. But have a moment together to acknowledge that we are in the story with each person here. And it's the story of Jesus. And the story is told at the table. All right, guys, let's take it as you're ready.